Welcome, and thank you for joining us today for There is a Hope, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Mark Howard, pastor of Christ Community Church in Bells, Tennessee. These next few minutes could very well be a divine appointment the Lord has for your life as you hear what He has to say to you personally and as you trust in the hope that He offers to you in Jesus Christ. And now, let's join Dr. Howard as he shares God's Word with us today. And this just isn't another day here on There's a Hope podcast. No, this is the day. Not another day, but the day that the Lord has made. And the scripture talks about our rejoicing and being glad in it. I know you're like me. Sometimes we are so looking down the road at what's ahead that we forget today. But today is a gift that God has given to us. And I'm grateful to share this day with you. Now, I know last week we began our time together where I shared with you what an exciting week I had had because something was hot off the press right before we came to the podcast. And you'll remember that I shared with you that I have a dear friend who was about to begin his own podcast and his first guest, remember, was that 19-year-old woman who went to her mother's home to check on her only to find out that her mother had been murdered and now she was facing the murderer at the front door with a gun pointed directly at her. And I shared with you that as soon as I found out when that podcast was going to be available for you to listen to her story, that I was going to give you the means to be able to tune in and listen to the story, but not just listen to the story, but also pass it along to someone else. Because every podcast you ever listen to, whether it's There's a Hope podcast, whether it's this podcast I'm about to share with you or anyone else's, there's always a share button. And you can hit that share button and then direct that podcast to be sent to their email, or you can text it in a message to them. There are a number of ways you can do that, but you are definitely going to want to hear this story. Take it to heart, and someone will come to your heart and mind that you know needs to hear what this woman shared. So here's what you need to do. My friend's name is Joey Hickman. Joey and I have been dear friends for more years than I can count now. We met each other on the 18th hole of a golf course. I was finishing up a round of golf with some more guys, and Joey was now working at this course where we played, and he came out and introduced himself, and the rest has been history since then. But he's now a 30-year PGA professional who was just yesterday elected as the president of the PGA of America's Tennessee section. Joey lives in Nashville, Tennessee. And after all these years of being involved in golf himself, he now has a new ministry. Not a new job, but a new ministry. You see, ever since Joey got saved, he's never looked upon what he does in life as a, quote, job. He looks upon it as an open door that God has given to him to share with others what God has done in his life. And I've watched this with my very eyes, and now I'm being able to see this new ministry that God has given to him. And I won't take time to share all of that with you, because if you listen to his podcast, you'll learn a lot more about what's going on in his life, but especially to be able to hear from a lady by the name of Lynn Boone. Now, here's what you need to do. You need to download the app on your phone, and many of you already have this because this is where our There's a Hope podcast comes from, our mothership. It's podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. If you call it up on the internet in order to download the app itself. But many of you, you already have this app. So if you go to the Podbean app, here's what you need to put in. The letter J and the number three. The letter J and the number three. That stands for J to the third. 
which means a lot of Jesus, a lot of joy, and a little bit of Joey. But because this is the first podcast, it will immediately come up, and all you have to do is hit the play button and be blessed, and then please share it. Now, this is a golf-related app, but the first podcast has very little to do about golf, but it has a whole lot to do about how God intervened in a woman's life that was facing certain death. And by the way, if you have someone in your life that's into golf, share the podcast with them because they can hear Joey every week talking to PGA people all across the country. And if you're into golf, you'll understand the language. Plus, they'll hear about this from a Christian perspective. And that's always a wonderful thing. Okay, let's get into today a psalm that I'm going to read. And then I'm going to talk about a song, and then we're going to get into the scripture itself. Now, let me share with you today that because this part of the country that I live in, in the United States, is susceptible to storms basically 12 months out of the year, we are continuously being told to have a plan in place so we're prepared in the event of one of those storms taking place. We're told that we need a plan for our safety, that we need a plan to shelter in place from any possible danger, and we need a plan to enable us to find security during those rough times. Well, did you know that none of us are exempt from such in our life? Now, I'm not necessarily talking about a weather event, but I'm talking about spiritual events. I mean, let's take this a step further. Do you have a plan in place in your life When trouble strikes, when trouble comes knocking on your door and starts pounding on your life, do you have a plan in place as to how you deal with that? Do you have a plan in place when fear wraps its death grip around you? When's the last time you had to use your plan? And is your plan based on what you came up with, or is your plan based on what God has come up with? You see, there's a big difference. Man-based plans are only temporary. It all depends on the situation. It depends on our mood, our emotions, our physicality, if we've done our homework. But the wonderful thing about God's plan, God's plan is an eternal plan. It's not a temporary plan. God's plan is built on what he teaches us. Now, don't miss this. It's what he wants to teach us about himself in his word. He's not just wanting to give you a plan of an escape. He wants to bring you to know him. And this is what the word of God is all about. Not necessarily answers to our issues. I'm afraid sometimes that's how people treat the word of God. Well, I've got this issue. I've got to go find out what the Bible says about it. And that's all well and good. But if what you are searching for does not lead you to know the Lord in that intimate relationship that we are constantly working on with him day in and day out, we're missing the whole point. And you see, what God's plan does for our lives, it announces to us who he is and what he is able to do that we cannot. Now, I just want to remind you about Jeremiah chapter 9. We need to constantly be going back to that passage of Scripture and feeding on it. Let me read chapter 9 and verse 23. This is what the Lord says. Now, anytime I see that phrase in the Word of God, it makes my antennas go up, and I really want to tune in. Because these are the words of the Lord. Let not the wise man boast or glory about his own wisdom. Let not the mighty or strong man boast about his strength. Let not the rich man boast about his riches. But let him who boasts 
boast about this. Number one, that he understands me. And get this, number two, that he knows me. Well, what are we supposed to know about understanding the Lord and knowing the Lord? He said, understand and know that I am the Lord and I exercise kindness I exercise judgment, I exercise righteousness on the earth. And he says, for in these things I delight. These are the things that I take pleasure in. Listen, whatever the Lord takes pleasure in, that's what we ought to take pleasure in. And he's encouraging us. Let this be the cry of our heart. Oh God, I want to know you. Oh God, I want to understand you. I just don't want to know about you. So the first thing I want to do today is I want to share with us the Word of God. I want to share with us a psalm, Psalm chapter 46. I don't know if you're familiar with this psalm or not, but I want you to take a listen to it. And if you have the Word of God, take time to read along with me. Psalm chapter 46, just 11 short verses. But my, oh my, is it not packed to talk to us, not about a way of escape, but to talk to us about who God is in our life and who he wants to be to us. So here we are in Psalm chapter 46. And by the way, I want to take the amplified version and read from it today. Remember, the amplified version takes the scripture that is written, and it's like a magnifying glass that is laid over the scripture to amplify things that we might not understand concerning the meaning of a word or a phrase, and so it's amplified to where it makes sense to us. So verse 1, Psalm 46, God is, now hang on to that, God is, this is talking about God. This is not an eight-step plan to this or a 12-step plan to that. This is all about God. God is our refuge and our strength. He's mighty. He's impenetrable. He is a very present and well-proved help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Why? Because God is. Do you have trouble with fear in your life? Therefore, we will not fear. And he gives examples of things that could cause us to fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains be shaken and slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam. Though the mountains tremble at its roaring, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, his city. She will not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered and they were moved. He, the Lord, raised his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, our refuge, our high tower. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has brought desolations and wonders on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow in pieces, and he snaps the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Now, those are all definitive truths about who God is. But we come to verse 10, and the psalmist quits writing, and God steps in. And the psalmist starts writing down what God says. Listen to what God says. Be still, and know, recognize, understand that I 
am God. He says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then the psalmist ends with the last verse. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, our refuge, our high tower. Now, here we are, Psalm chapter 46. To some familiar verses, to others, I've never heard it before, you might say. Let me share with you an interesting truth about this psalm. Number one, it is a psalm that was put to music. Number two, it is a psalm where the focus is on the Lord himself. Remember, he is the one that has invited you and me to know him. I'll say it again. None of us wake up in the morning time and say, you know, I think this might be a good day to start getting to know God. No, he is the one who initiates that within our heart. And so when I was reading and studying this psalm this week, I began to realize all the references to God in these 11 verses. In verse 1, he's referred to as God. In verse 4, he's referred to as the Most High. In verse 7, he's referred to in two different ways, the Lord Almighty, and number 2, the God of Jacob. And then in verse 5, he's related to as the Lord. And then just like in verse 7, in verse 11, he is referenced again as the Lord Almighty and the God of Jacob. So you hear all those times that are referencing God. Well, an interesting thing happened 497 years ago. Now, I'm not making this up. This is referenced material that I'm sharing with you today. But it happened 497 years ago this year. There was a man by the name of Martin Luther who got so involved in this psalm that he got his inspiration, I truly believe, from the Lord to write the words and to compose the music score for what has become one of the most well-known hymns throughout the entire world. The song is entitled, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Not just a mighty fortress is God, but this is for the believer. A mighty fortress is our God. Now, this piece of music that's so well-known, it's a paraphrase of Psalm chapter 46, and it comes from his heart. You can tell because it exalts who God is, that he's high and lifted up. And it's built specifically on the truth of verse 7, the Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Something that was interesting in the discovery of what this song is all about was the fact that on the base of Martin Luther's tomb, the words of the title of this hymn are written, A Mighty Fortress is our God. Now, when's the best time to sing this song? Well, I'll share with you when the best time is to sing this song. When you know the one about whom you sing and when you truly believe what these verses say, because they're all built on scripture. By the way, yesterday I thought to myself, hey, I want to take time to get to know a little bit more about this song, and it had been a long time since I had gone word by word and verse by verse. There are four verses. So I looked on my music app on my phone, and I looked in the contents for songs that I have on my phone, going to the letter A for A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And was I ever shocked to find out that I have 46 different recordings from different artists for this one song right here. I never knew that. But over the years, I have collected so much music to listen to, and so I began playing that music yesterday, and it's continued playing even today. A mighty fortress 
is our God, built on the Word of God. Listen to what he says. And as I say this, some of you are going to be saying these words along with me because you've been singing this song all your life. He starts out with, a mighty fortress is our God. Now, if you want to be true to understand this song and understand that the word fortress is used throughout the Word of God, we have to define what is a fortress. A fortress is a secure dwelling place. It's a place that cannot even be penetrated. Now, the Bible refers to God as being a fortress. Now, let me share with you a psalm that talks about that. And in doing so, let me just ask you, do you remember back some years ago when the COVID epidemic spread throughout the world? I don't know about you, but I remember in the front yards of so many people, wherever I traveled, there were people who had yard signs right out in their front yard, right along the roadside. And it said, Psalm 91. That's all it said, Psalm 91. And back during that time, because we didn't know whether we were coming or going, whether we were going to live or whether we were going to die, it seemed like so many people were talking about praying through and reading Psalm chapter 91. Well, listen to what Psalm 91 says. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, there's Most High and Almighty that we listed as references to who God is. And here we are in Psalm 91, the first verse, two of those six references to God in Psalm 46 are right here in the first verse of Psalm chapter 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, it does not say he who checks in every now and then in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. No, it says he who dwells there. And verse two says, I will say of the Lord. Now, I love this. There are a lot of things that we are going to be reading in this study of Psalm chapter 46 about who God is, things that we need to know and things that are going to be revealed to us while we're on this journey of getting to know him intimately, personally. And it says right here, I will say of the Lord. I want to ask you something. Do you walk around saying things about the Lord, declaring things about the Lord? quoting things out of the Word of God that the Word of God says about God? Do we spend much time there? The psalmist said, I will say of the Lord. What are you going to say of the Lord? Here you go. He is my refuge. He is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. There's only one little caveat to going back to the signs that were in the yards and along the sidewalks and roadways, Psalm 91 that was put up during the COVID epidemic, all those signs practically are gone now. You don't see them anymore. They were taken up. And there have been times since that happened that I've said to myself, why did people remove those signs? Did we not need God anymore? Did we not need to dwell in the shelter of the Most High? Did we not any longer need to rest in the shadow of the Almighty? Did we quit saying to the Lord, you're my refuge, you're my fortress, you're my God in whom I trust in this terrible, terrible disease that is taking the lives of so many people? Why did we quit talking about Psalm 91. It's a head-scratcher to me. It's almost like, I need you now because I'm scared to death, but you know you got me through it, Lord, so I guess it's time to take that sign up and just go on about life. Just something to think about. A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark never failing. Now, this really gets a lot of people, myself included. How many times do we sing hymns 
songs where words are used. We don't have a clue what they mean, but we just sing them because we memorized that years ago. Well, if we're doing that, we are missing out on a great, great, great blessing. For he said, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. What is a bulwark? A bulwark is a defensive wall that is part of a fortress. It's a wall that can never be breached. It's a wall that can never be broken through. The writer of this hymn was expressing right out of the word of God that the God he knew is the wall that we stand behind. It's the wall that cannot be breached. It's the wall that cannot be broken through because you would have to go through God himself to get to us. Let that sink in just for a moment. That's who our God is. He goes on to say he is our helper amid the flood, most likely referring to Psalm chapter 121, verse 1. Here's the question. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Now, when the psalmist says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills, he's not saying that we need to be worshiping hills. But when we look at hills and mountains, those are to remind us of who the maker of heaven and earth is. So I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Question, where does your help come from? When you're passing through hard times, when you are faced with storms, when you are walking through loneliness, when fear has a grasp upon your life and seeking to squeeze the life out of you, where does your help come from? You see, anytime you and I need help, it's because there's a need. And when needs come around in our life, God wants us to say, God wants us to confess and get into a position of humility. God doesn't want us walking around saying, oh, I've got this. I've got this. I can handle this myself. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Here's the answer. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, God allows needs in your life and in my life to show us that we are not complete without him. What does that song say? Without him, I could do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, life would be hopeless like a ship without a sail. I was on a sailboat one day and the sail broke and we were left out in the middle of that big lake just drifting. If you're trying to do life apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, you're like that ship without a sail. My help, your help comes from the Lord. So Martin Luther was saying, our helper, he amid the flood, talking about God, our helper, he is our helper. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Hey, listen, if he is the maker, the creator of heaven and earth, do you think anything is too hard for him that you are walking through in your life? He's waiting to hear you confess and want to so live every day to say, my help comes from the Lord. Instead of getting upset, instead of throwing a fit because we can't work things out, stop and say, Lord, my help comes from you. You're the maker of heaven and earth. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Now listen to this, for still, for still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. Who is our ancient foe? Somebody tell me. Sometimes people go, I have a hard time remembering who a foe is. Just remember, someone is either a friend to you or they are a foe to you. Someone is either for you or they are against you. So a foe is someone that is against you. We all need to be reminded that there is someone that is against us. You say, who might that be? I'll read it to you. Paul said, our struggle is not against flesh and blood 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the devil and all of his demons. That is our ancient foe, for still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Yes, the enemy's never going to quit working until Jesus comes back. And if you want to know the one area that he attacks in your life and in my life more than any other, he attacks us concerning our past life. He loves to bring our past up to us. Because remember, he is in the condemning business. God's not in the condemning business, but Satan's in the condemning business. But the good news for the believer is in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now, N-O-W, now. That's talking about the immediate present. Now is now. Now is not tomorrow. Now is not what happened yesterday. The Word of God is telling us now. This is how up-to-date the Word of God is. Now, right now in your life, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? Is Christ in you? If Jesus Christ lives inside of your life, guess what? You are recognized by God as being in Christ Jesus. But Christ first must be in you in order for you to be in Christ Jesus. So the Bible says there is no condemnation. What's condemnation? That's where someone comes along and they pronounce us guilty. They pronounce a sentence on our life. But listen to the good news. Satan's accusations of condemnation against your life no longer stand up in heaven's court because God sees you as covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because you have been justified, that means declared right with God, you have been justified through faith, Romans 5.1. The Bible says you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not guilt anymore, but peace. So yes, it's true, for still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His crafts and power are great and armed with cruel hate, but on earth is not his equal. We have to continue to come to the Word of God and to believe and receive what He says about us and not listen and get so tuned in to what the devil is saying about us, to us, concerning our past. You've probably heard this, but this was life-changing for me when I first got saved, where someone shared one day that when Satan comes and reminds you about your past, you just remind him about his future. And quote to him verse 1 of Romans chapter 8, there's no condemnation in my life because I am in Christ Jesus. I don't care what scripture you turn to in the Word of God. The very purpose of the Word of God is to bring us into a relationship with and through what Christ did for us through his death on the cross. But it doesn't stop there. You see, in a relationship, two people are involved, and it's God who extends that invitation to us to know him. I'm just so grateful that I am learning more and more every day that reading the Bible is not the only thing I'm supposed to do when I come to the Bible. No, I'm reading the Word of God to get to know my Lord. Every day I open the Word of God, I'm finding out more and more and more about Him and what He's wanting to teach me, what He's wanting to reveal to me about Himself. 
You say, I didn't know that the Lord wanted to reveal himself to my life. I thought I'd just read the Bible to please God. No, he wants to reveal himself to you. You say, well, where's that found? You ought to mark this in your Bible. In fact, you ought to memorize it. You know, when I shared with you last week about the great change that my dad had in his life of spending time, and it was the latter part of his life, of getting to know the Lord. And I found him early that morning while we were home visiting. I found him early sitting in the living room with one light on and a Bible in his lap and spending time with the Lord. It changed his life. I watched my daddy's life literally become transformed. He became a new father. He became a new husband. He became a new man, which so touched my life because after I got saved, we were both on the same wavelength. And that hunger was deep in my heart too. And the things we shared together in the last years of his life, I will forever treasure. But let me share something that happened early this morning. John 14, 21. The Lord took me to this verse of scripture. And this is one of those verses of Scripture that I memorized as a result of what happened in my father's life. So in John chapter 14, verse 21, these are the words of Jesus. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Now listen to that. Jesus said, whoever has my commands. That means whoever embraces my word as the way to live where the Word becomes personal to your life, where the Word directs you and leads you and guides you into how to know the Lord, whoever has my commands. That word commands there is talking about the word principles and precepts that identify God's Word to us on how to live. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, applies them to their life. Whoever allows their life to be conformed, Jesus said to my Word, He is the one who really loves me. Wow, what a test of whether or not we love Jesus. You want to take the test right now? Jesus said it's the person who has his commands and embraces them and who obeys them, doing what God tells us to do when he tells us to do it. That's the person Jesus said that really loves me. Oh, it's easy to sing, oh, how I love Jesus. But listen to what this says. He who has my commands and obeys my commands, my precepts, my principles. Now that's the proof you love me, Jesus said. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I too, Jesus said, will love him. Now listen to this. This is what got me. Jesus said, I will show myself to him. I will manifest myself to him. I will reveal myself to that person who loves my word and wants to live by my word. Because in doing that, you come to know him. And I realized that is exactly what God left me with this morning before we completed our time together. Jesus said, I will reveal myself to you. And I just stood in awe of the God that I am privileged to know and to walk with and to serve and to love and to read his word and to obey his word and let him use my life just as he wants to use your life as a representative of his. It's true. A mighty fortress is our God. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He's an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Why? Because our God is an awesome God. Who would you replace God with in your life? That's exactly right. No one or nothing. I only want him. And I want to continue 
to know him more and more every day until he calls us home. Lord, your goodness and your mercy truly do follow us all the days of our life. And oh, the things that you are just waiting to reveal to us about yourself so that we might receive that truth into our heart and know who we worship and who we're reading about and who we're serving and who we're getting to love and find our joy in and receive our peace from. You truly are our awesome God. May this upcoming week the journey get sweeter and may our love for you get deeper and may we get ready in our hearts our minds our spirits for the things that you want to reveal to us and manifest to us about yourself you promised you would do that now may we have hope and expectancy even in the little things in life that we have to stop and say, that would not be possible, Lord, without you revealing yourself to me. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You've been listening to There is a Hope, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Mark Howard, pastor of Christ Community Church in Bells, Tennessee. You can hear Dr. Howard every week right here on this podcast where he'll be sharing a new message from God's Word that centers in the hope that you can find for your daily life in Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions about today's program or desire to share any prayer needs so that someone might pray for you this week, you may write us at There Is A Hope, P.O. Box 610, Bells, Tennessee, 38006. Or you may contact us by email at there is a hope at cccbells.net. And above all, it's our prayer that you remember that regardless of what you're facing in life today, there has been, there is, and there always will be a hope in Jesus. Jesus.